0: Good morning and welcome again. My name's Travis, I'm the pastor here. It's good to be with you this morning, which feels like we might actually be heading into summer again for the first time after our on again, off again flirtations with the season. Uh, We are this morning continuing in a series called The Life of the Church that we've been going through for many weeks now, hoping to describe what is the church supposed to be about? What is the purpose of our existence? Why are we here? What are we to be like? Uh, There are many different concepts of of what the church is about in society. There are many different ways that you might be familiar with how people see the church, with how you view the church, but we're trying to understand from from a gospel perspective, from God's perspective, what are his people here for? What are we like? And there are many pictures of what the life of the church is like in Scripture, but we've been borrowing from one author, Henry Nowen, in his book, "The Life of the Beloved," where he uses the picture of communion, the sacrament that we celebrate at the end of our service each week. And he uses that picture of communion where bread, he says, is chosen, blessed, broken, and given to describe the life of the church. Now, and says that as a Christian, I am called to become bread for the world, bread that is chosen, blessed, broken, and given. Likewise, our, our Christian life, our life as the church, is to be a sort of living sacrament, to be that which is for the life of the world. We've been working through this picture of those four words two weeks at a time per word to understand and prayerfully live more into the life of the church or to even enter into the life of the church if we've never believed before. And we're continuing our look this week at the third word in Nowen's paradigm, broken. Uh, We started looking at this last week and we looked at how brokenness is a reality of the Christian life that is actually in God's hands, something that surprisingly lets us have more in life and not less, something that lets us have more community, more freedom, more of ourselves known by and safe with others. And today we're gonna talk about an incredibly hard aspect of the brokenness of the church, which is accepting it. Uh, Now, as I said last week, brokenness is a deeply complex topic. This is not meant to cover all angles of it, all sides of what we can experience as we go through brokenness. And my encouragement is to let the Lord speak to you today in the way that he will to meet you in these things, because it is difficult to go through brokenness, and it is even more difficult to accept that that is true, to not run from it, to not engineer a way around the experience of brokenness in the Christian life, but to simply face it under the power and grace of God. And so I hope that we can look together at this this morning, particularly through verses uh, 22 to 24. We're going to be focusing on a crossroads of brokenness in verse 19 and 22 to 24, the acceptance of brokenness that Paul shows us here in verse 23 to 24, and the power for the acceptance of brokenness in verse 22. Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts to enter into these things? or as we are still for a minute, we can feel perhaps even in that breath, just a tinge of brokenness. of uh, The brokenness in our own lives, the brokenness in our world, the things that we wish we hadn't done, the things that we wish we hadn't experienced things we wish were not true, and yet here we are in the midst of them carrying that long trail behind us of the story of our lives and our various encounters with brokenness. And yet here we are this morning needing deeply, hoping to hear from you, to be strengthened by you, to be changed by you, to be animated by you in a way that we could not expect or anticipate this morning. God, would you speak into those areas that we have felt have been dead for such a long time in our lives. The relationships that are broken, the heartache that's there, the physicality that we don't have anymore, the brokenness of our bodies, the brokenness of our hearts. Would you enter in this morning? Would you help us to reach that place that Paul reaches that place of acceptance in you? And that in that, you would give us a grace to share you with the world. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to have your Bibles open if you have them with you. If not, there should be one in the pew in front of you. We'll go back through the text a little bit together this morning. But Paul is talking here, this is in the middle of the book of Acts. Acts is the unfolding of what happens in the earliest part of the life of the church after Jesus has been raised, after he has inaugurated the redemption, the bringing of God's people back in from being in the outside, in the brokenness of sin and death. And this is the unfolding of that story and the large part of the story of Acts focuses on the person of Paul, And Paul is certainly someone who is no stranger to brokenness. He has suffered much and deeply for being a Christian, for being on this mission that God has given him. He's at a place of already having been through real brokenness and suffering so much so that verse 19 can say that he was serving the Lord when he talked to these Ephesian elders about serving the Lord with them, with tears and with trials with deep pain. And if you follow Paul through the book of Acts, you see that pretty much everywhere he turns is a place that involves some kind of pain and difficulty. Paul's Christian life was not just this ongoing parade of good times. It was an increasingly difficult experience. He had already lost a lot, he had had to go through a lot, he had been beaten, he had struggled. You can imagine that Paul is very tired that he is already tired at this point of the brokenness that he has experienced. And at times he tells us just how, how difficult it was for him. If you look at 2 Corinthians, that book particularly, you see just how tired Paul was. If you look in chapter one, it talks about that he was so tired at a certain point that he felt like he should just die. That it was too much, that he couldn't handle it anymore. And yet now in verse 22, Paul says he is facing the promise by the revelation of the Holy Spirit to him, of more brokenness. Not less, more. It's not a question of if that brokenness will come. The Spirit is telling him again and again, this is coming. No matter what city Paul's in, he keeps hearing that if I'm going to Jerusalem, brokenness is going to come. Imprisonment and afflictions, verse 23, are what's coming. And unlike David in our text last week when we looked at Psalm 6, Paul is not in the teeth of that suffering right now. He's being told that it's coming, but it's not happening today. He can see that it's on the way. So he's at somewhat of a a crossroads, you might imagine, if you were in Paul's shoes. Having gone through a long season of life, maybe that's where you are right now, maybe that's where you've been, of brokenness. Experiencing a lot of pain and trials physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, whatever that may be. Imagine yourself being at the end of all that and hearing almost day in and day out that more is coming. You might feel yourself at a crossroads, knowing all too well what brokenness has been like for you in the past, knowing that it's coming. You could imagine yourself, you can imagine Paul feeling like you're thinking about some options thinking through some choices. You could think, maybe I'm gonna try to go around this. I've been through this too many times, I'm tired of this, I can't keep doing this. I'm gonna choose a path that lets me go around this, but still keep trying to do ministry. We could see Paul saying that. I'm gonna stay out of Jerusalem. I'm gonna go further into Asia, I'm gonna go farther into North Africa somewhere, but I'm gonna stay out of Jerusalem. You can imagine Paul trying to do what he feels he's called to do, still go to Jerusalem, but orchestrate safety for himself, that he's always moving secretly from house to house, only at night, only with certain people, only on the outskirts of town. You can imagine Paul being very, very sure that he's going to go, but he's not going to let this happen. He's going to exercise control. Or you can imagine that if you were in his shoes, you might just run away. You might just hide. You might just say, God, if this is what it's going to be like, then I am out. This is it. This is too much. This is the time where I say goodbye. I'm going to go around the pain. I'm going to let someone else take up the mantle. You could imagine Paul or any of us feeling drawn to these options, knowing what's behind you and knowing what's ahead of you. But as the book of Acts shows us, Paul does not choose one of these options, He doesn't choose control. He doesn't choose sort of a going around. He doesn't choose the eject button. Instead, he chooses to accept that brokenness is going to be part of his life. He chooses to go back into the fire again, knowing just how bad it can be, knowing what it's been like so far. And I want to highlight this, this crossroads that Paul seems to be at and his choice to press on because it is not a given that he would do that. We see that unfolding in the story, but if you or I were in his shoes, you would not feel necessarily like it's a given that you're going to keep going. You might not feel sure that you had the strength to keep going. You might not feel that you had the resources, the energy that your body would even keep up if your spirit wanted to. You might not even feel like your spirit might want to. After all, if you go to the book of Jonah, Jonah was equally constrained by God. The text used that word, constrained. It could also be bound. You've got got the presence of God on you. Jonah had the call of God on him, and yet Jonah said, no thank you, and ran away. Equally constrained by God, perhaps, and yet he did not choose the first time at least, to go ahead and experience that brokenness that he would have experienced the first time of telling a people who were his enemies, who had beaten and killed and hurt his families and his people, that God loves you and forgives you. He did not want to experience that brokenness. And so he didn't. He ran. It's not a given that because you are constrained by God that you have a call of God on your life that you will necessarily walk alongside that. But Paul does. He doesn't run. He accepts the brokenness. He leans into the call. And that is something that is very hard for any of us to do. Very difficult. We'll talk about the power that lets Paul do this at the end, but I just want to highlight that this is not an easy choice to make. Leaning into brokenness as part of the Christian life is not easy it will wear you down it will wear you out you will continually try to find ways around it and sometimes there is relief and sometimes it doesn't have to be this way but if we think about jesus in the garden he prayed father is there some other way that we can do this even he felt that if you feel that you're in good company but sometimes as with jesus the answer is going to be no There isn't a way around the brokenness. Paul makes a difficult choice here like Jesus made a difficult choice in the garden. And the same is true for us. It is a difficult choice to accept brokenness as part of the Christian life, part of something that we believe God has called us to, to to a ministry, to a service, to your neighborhood, to a school, to a friendship, to the brokenness in those areas. Leaning into that is and will be difficult. I want to be particularly clear, if you are not a Christian, if you are a young Christian, the Christian life is going to be difficult. We are not here to advertise what what is sometimes called a health and wealth, a prosperity gospel, where you become a Christian and life gets easier. It gets better unquestionably. But it also gets worse harder. Scripture does not want you to be unaware, sisters and brothers in the Lord, that it is going to be difficult. It doesn't say you won't make it through. But it does say it will be difficult. Making the choice to lean into brokenness, to face the calling that God has given us in our lives as Christians is going to be difficult. It's going to get more and more difficult societally. We are in, particularly here in Boston, a post-Christian context. It is not normal. It is not even sort of respectable to be Christian. It is going to get harder to believe here, not easier. That doesn't mean there isn't something sweet to it, but it is going to be difficult. There's something remarkable about what Paul says and chooses in facing an expected brokenness. He is expecting it to be hard, but he, ex- he accepts it anyway, which is not to say, I just wanna be clear in a caveat here, that we should just run into unhealthy situations. God still calls us to use wisdom. He's not saying, this is a really bad idea to date this person. You should run into that. You should just wholeheartedly embrace this train wreck situation. Do it, full speed. God bless you, right? There is still wisdom. We still make decisions in community with the guidance of God. But Christianity is going to require us, as Jesus himself said, to count the cost of following him. There will be a cost associated with it and many times that will require accepting a season of brokenness. This life, the life of the church, is hard it is hard to accept brokenness. Our very souls and our bodies push against that because we weren't made for brokenness. We were made for flourishing and connection with God. Sin has brought brokenness in, and the consequences of that are echoing all around us and in us, and it's that that we feel. It's that that our created bodies, which were made for flourishing with God, struggle naturally against. And it takes something supernatural in us, as we're gonna talk about at the end, in order to lean into these things because there's also something brave and beautiful about accepting brokenness as part of the Christian life. Not letting it conquer us, not letting it say if brokenness is there, as we talked about last week, that God is not, but that even more so, God may be present. So I wanna think a little bit here about how Paul actually accepts brokenness. He could turn away at this crossroads, but he doesn't. He accepts it. If we look at verses 23 and 24, to get to our second point here, Paul uses language that shows acceptance. That this is what it is going to be. It's not a denial type sentence. It's not a anger. It's not a bargaining that we're seeing from Paul here about what would be coming. But accepting the brokenness that he was told would come. Verse 23, he says, he knows afflictions await. But verse 24, he says, I do not account my life of any value. If I may finish my course or my ministry. He could rail against these future chains that he is anticipating. He could be very upset with God. He could be deeply depressed. He could say he doesn't want this life anymore. Instead, the way he talks about it says, this is coming. This is what my life of following Christ looks like. It looks like brokenness. It looks like accepting some hard things in order for me to walk the way I want to walk with my savior. In order for me to be close to him, in order for me to know him and hear from him, he's saying accepting that following Jesus in this life, as Jesus himself said, will lead to trouble. In this life, you will have trouble, Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul's accepting that and he's accepting that will still be the case, still be the case after he's gone through this long line of suffering and brokenness already. It doesn't just go away when we get older. I know there are some seasoned saints in here that can testify to the fact that just because we get older, we get wiser, we get more mature in the Christian faith, that brokenness doesn't go away. It's important for us to know that brokenness will continue even when we have faced it before. And it's hard to know, it's hard to face that. It's hard not just to run from it, to try and control it, to try and harden ourselves in some way, to try to just push past it and say, yes, it's going to be there, but I'm going to focus on this. I'm not going to process it. I'm not going to sit in, I'm not going to let it have power over me. It is very difficult to sit in powerlessness to not be in control, to let it be in God's hands. And if we can't see the value of doing that, we are going to deeply struggle. That's what I want to spend a little time here in talking about Paul's acceptance of this because Paul shows us the value that comes with accepting brokenness in the Christian life in a couple ways. The first thing he helps us see is that even knowing that brokenness continues in the Christian life, Paul says this, this mission he has, this calling he has that's filled with brokenness, that's anticipating more brokenness is in his own words worth more than anything he could give up to have it. He considers, he reckons, and that's a calculating, it's sort of working in a spreadsheet. Paul could say that adding all the things up in my life, if I had everything I wanted, it doesn't equal the value that I have in Jesus in being near him. All the costs associated with being near him Don't outweigh the benefits. His life with Jesus is worth so much that compared to it, preserving his life or his comfort, verse 24, would really be the thing that actually causes him to take a loss in life. That's what would be, in Paul's perspective, losing. That's what would be breaking down and not having a full life. It would seem like to you and I, if we thought about it, that giving up our comfort Giving up our our physical safety, our status, our control, our social standing, our reputation, our good name. That would be the real loss. But Paul says it's actually not. He says the real loss, the true loss from which you could not recover is not having Jesus. Jesus. Not having him. That's the matchless prize. That's what he says in Philippians, that nothing compares with the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing compares with the greatness of knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the conviction of the gospel. That's the conviction of scripture, that when you really know the creator of the universe who loves you from beginning to end, who knows you on your worst days, on your best days, that knowing him... There is nothing here that can compare with that. Even if it means you have to give up so much to have it. We all have something like that in our lives, something that we don't mind giving up for, something that you don't mind losing sleep for, something that you don't mind spending a lot of time on, losing time for, losing energy. Losing connections for, losing comfort and money. There are all things in our lives, there are things in all of our lives that we don't mind taking a loss to have because our heart puts such a value on them. And for Paul, that's the gospel and being as near as he can to Jesus, even if that means a storm being around him and that he has to suffer through so many things. Paul accepts brokenness because it is the price he would rather pay to have Jesus. He's trying to show us there is such a value. Paul is saying, listen, I have been through the ringer. I have had myself beaten nearly to death. And still, I've been through all that. And let me tell you, and still, Jesus is better than what I could have had in just being comfortable, safe, and never being beaten up. He's trying to tell us as someone who has gone through all those things, Jesus is better. As someone who has been through all that pain, Jesus is better. As someone who has suffered the loss of reputation, the loss of standing, the loss of friendships, he is trying to tell us Jesus is better so that we can accept brokenness. Because in that, if we might have Jesus, Jesus is better than not having the brokenness. That's the value Paul wants us to have, to see in our own lives. And Paul is also helping us see that there is no such thing in this world as a choice that does not involve loss. There's no such thing as a choice that does not involve loss. There is a situation coming that he is going to face where he either loses closeness with his Savior because he chooses to go a different way, or he loses his comfort and his physical safety and his reputation maybe. Or even if he doesn't somehow lose closeness with his Savior for going a different way, wouldn't he wonder, what would my life have been like? What if I had faced that? What if I hadn't given up? Who would I be today? What would I be like There is a closeness that Paul would lose with himself. He can't have all things. He has to choose. He had to choose which loss to take, which means that if we are looking for a choice where we don't experience loss, we are looking for an illusion in this life. It may not look that way on the surface, but there is only a choice between losses. A loss of opportunity to do this means the opportunity to do that. Forgoing that opportunity means choosing this opportunity. But we cannot be in all places at all times. We are limited, finite creatures. We have to choose. Choosing always entails a loss. The question is just, which loss do you want to take? Which choice, which opportunity is going to lead you more and more to life even if it entails loss to come along with it? And it's not that the pain of that missed opportunity, that misconnection, or even the brokenness that comes with a certain choice won't hurt or won't bother us. Paul is not saying that. Paul's not saying pretend like these things don't hurt. Paul's acknowledging that it was with tears he went through these things, that it really hurt, and that he knows it's going to really hurt again. He's only saying that if he has to choose between f- being faithful to the call of God, being near to Jesus, or saving his skin from some pain, he won't skip the pain. If that's what it costs to be near Jesus, he won't skip the pain. Because the brokenness was worth it if he had Jesus, who through his death on the cross for all the sins of all who believe gave us something more in this life than just self-preservation and comfort who gave us back connection to God, who reconciled us, who were estranged, who had no desire for God, who had no connection to God, who had no position with God, who were on the outside and not on the inside, who brought us close when we were far off. He had the person who could bring him, Paul of all people, deeply lost in his own self-righteousness. He had the person who had the power to bring him home. Paul's found something worth being broken for in Jesus. Something that could fix what's in here. That could do business with what's in here when nothing else could. No matter of all the doing the right things, saying the right things, being in the right place at at the right time, having the right career, whatever it might be. None of that could fix what was in here. Paul has found the one who could do what nothing else could do and he will pay whatever price he can to have that. That's why he's willing to accept it because he knows there is no such thing as a choice that does not incur loss and this is the loss that he's willing to take because this is the value of what he's found. See through this how deeply Paul values Jesus as someone who has been beaten nearly to death to be next to him. See him tell you from the other side of that it is worth it. It is so hard but it is worth worth it. You will not regret it in the end. That's why he's willing to accept it. But the truth is we can see all that. We can even desire that. Paul might desire that. But how do we actually lean into that when all, every fiber of our being does not want to break? does not want to be in that crushing pain uh, of persecution, of difficulty, of trial, whatever it might be. How do we find the power for that to get to our third consideration here? The power for such acceptance that Paul demonstrates for for leaning into the value that he has found and not giving up on it comes in verse 22 because it's not in us. It's not in our feeling. We've said our body, our mind, our spirit is going to lean away from the pain. It's going to try to make the pain stop. We need something outside of us to keep us going when the body says, I just can't. When our spirit says, I just can't. When our mind says, I don't want to. We need a vision, a power, a drive to move you past the pain of brokenness when you want to say no more. When you want to say that other stuff seems really appealing. Comfort seems really appealing right now. Not having people in my face seems really appealing. Not having this problem seems really appealing. Because a vision can only get you so far when you don't have the energy to carry through. The toll for pursuing it can wear you down. You need something outside of you to keep you going. And Paul says, at least indirectly here, that that something that keeps him going is the Holy Spirit. Verse 22, he says he is bound, he's constrained by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem in following Jesus. What's driving him to accept that brokenness is coming, to persist in the face of that brokenness, is the very Spirit of God in him. That's what's moving Paul. He says he feels bound. It's like he can't get away from this. He is being carried, even if he feels like he can't himself. He is bound in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. That's the outside force and the power that's moving Paul along. He has something to carry him through that's not just him. Because that would have been back to the self-righteousness of Paul, of the, the me that can finally do it, the willpower, the drive, the putting all these things together, having the vision from myself. Paul needs something. Paul's whole message is testifying to us needing something outside of ourselves, outside of our own abilities. Paul is saying the spirit is the one that's carrying me through. I have learned to relax, to drop and collapse into the spirit as carrying me even when I can't go. It's the spirit of the infinite, almighty God holding him up in the midst of it all. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the brokenness of sin and death in the grave up into the resurrection. A spirit of power power that can undo all the tolls of brokenness. We did not receive a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sonship. And the sons and daughters of God have power of God with them because God cares for, dwells with his people in power and glory and strength. And that means that Paul can stare at something even as difficult as imprisonment and affliction which is unquestionably not as difficult as what Jesus went through on the cross and in the grave, and yet face it with the same power that let Jesus get out of the grave. He has a smaller problem, and he has the same power to deal with it. Wouldn't you feel like the wind is at your back? Wouldn't you feel like the game is already over? My boys, for some reason, even though they have no idea really who Lionel Messi is, they have this concept in elementary school that Lionel Messi is the world's greatest soccer player ever and ever. He is for this moment. But they say Messi is the greatest. They would feel like if Messi was on their little recreational Medford soccer team, that they would win, and I guarantee you they would, right? (laughs) Having the Spirit in your corner is like having someone like that, the greatest of all time athlete, showing up to a first-grade soccer game and playing lights out, right? That is what the Spirit of God in your corner is like. You are facing lesser problems with a greater power. That's the confidence that Paul has, that if he could raise Jesus from the dead, he can raise me out of this prison, He can raise me out of the beating that I'm going to take. It gives you a different confidence in the face of brokenness when you know that you have so much more power than you need in the Holy Spirit. You've got that level of support and not just a level of support. You have a supporter with you. It's the presence of God, the spirit of God, abiding with you now by faith. That's what becomes true of us as Christians, that God dwells with his people in our heart again. He is with us, dwelling with us. It's not just doing something for you from afar. He is with you as a supporter, as someone who walks beside you. You have a powerful ally standing shoulder to shoulder with you, walking along in these painful things. That's what moves you to count the cost, to accept the brokenness even when you don't want to, because you have that kind of power against this kind of problem. And this kind of problem still hurts. Let's not gloss over that. Not pretending like it won't hurt. Paul doesn't want you to pretend like it won't hurt. But you have a reason for hope to sit in the confidence that the Lord is with you. And so how do we do that maybe a little more concretely this week to give us a couple practical points of application? I want to invite you to build and to remember. I want to invite you to find a small loss to accept this week as a way to build your strength for handling greater losses. It seems that part of how the Holy Spirit supports Paul is by preparing him to face the brokenness that's coming. Verse 23, he is warning Paul again and again that this brokenness is coming. He is building him up for it so that he can stand and set his feet when it comes and not be shocked by it. He is preparing him for this moment by helping him build toward it. Now, our lives are full of loss. Micro losses, day in, day out. You probably felt some on the way here. Loss of comfort, loss of control, driving behind someone who feels like they are going so slow, right? There is just small losses all the time, each day. What if instead of seeing these losses as just in the way of my life, what if we started seeing these, one or two of them, by the help of the Holy Spirit, as an opportunity to build towards a greater endurance for loss? What if these things weren't just in the way, constantly frustrating us and making us angry? What if these were opportunities to get stronger for that greater fight, for that real problem that we're going to have down the line, when we need some of those muscles built up, when we need the Spirit preparing us for these things? So I want to encourage you to find just one or two small losses this week. Ask God to remind you to see those things a little differently, something that you didn't get to attend that you really wanted to. Something that went not the way you want it to go at work, at school, whatever it may be. And see it as a chance to build up your acceptance of brokenness for a future challenge in the faith. And secondly, I want to invite you to remember as you're doing that building up that you don't just have this external fondness of God, that you have the support, the power of God with you on your team. You are not facing down brokenness alone. You have a giant in your corner. You have the greatest of all time, the unstoppable force. So as you stare at some real pain, please remember, let the Spirit remind you that He is with you. He is with you. He doesn't just see you. He is there. He is in it. He has dealt with the ultimate brokenness already and he won't be stopped by the smaller brokenness now, however painful it may be. If he has dealt with the greater thing, he will certainly deal with the lesser thing for you. Isn't that what Paul says? Can't we be sure that he who would give us all things, will he not give us what we need now? Remember this week, you are not alone let's pray I'd like to leave a couple moments for you to talk to God about what's on your heart through our service through the songs, through the text, through the sermon, maybe thank God for being present with you in brokenness maybe ask him to be more present with you in your brokenness right now to strengthen you, to give you more of an ability to accept loss in your life to to make the choice to accept difficult brokenness that you might have him Maybe ask him for the first time, God, would you open my heart to accepting some brokenness that I don't want to accept, that I might know you for the first time, that I might call you my own, that I might have you, and not just some safety or comfort. Let's pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are with us. Would you be near our hearts now and hear these prayers. In your name we pray. Amen.